Hello, it's Charlie Fink, and it is Friday, September. Welcome to the This Week in XR podcast, where Ted Shulowitz, the futurist at Paramount, and I hash over the week's top technology news and try and understand uh, what it means. And uh, thanks for joining us. With us today, we have Sarah Karish, the director of the General Magic movie, which Ted and I were talking about at the end of the last show. Uh, welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Um, we're going to hash over uh, the Facebook announcements, mega announcements, I think, uh, as well as uh, catch up on the crazy TikTok story. Uh, we've got some workarounds because, my friends, Tick is not going to talk starting on Sunday. Uh, they're really going to go through with it. Uh, but there are easy workarounds if you, like me, are obsessed with your TikTok social media. But now let's turn our attention to the General Magic movie. Uh, I first saw it two years ago at the Tribeca Film Festival and was blown away. And not only is it a great movie, but it's full of life lessons uh, for people outside of the technology business. But particularly in the tech business, uh, you know, it, it's a... Apocryphal tale that it's funny. General uh, that um, Leap, uh, in a way, had the same fate. A visionary company uh, that uh, whose timing was wrong. Uh, they flew too close to the sun, uh, and they ran out of money. Yeah, and I, I have to. I have to say, Sarah, um, Charlie and I are fully nerding out right now. I would say on this podcast, <laughs> you are our first official guest star because we are such. Huge fans of that movie, and it has since I've seen it. Some friends of mine were like, "You need to watch this movie about General Magic." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember General Magic. It was like a kind of a footnote in history." And they were like, "No, no, it's way more than a footnote in history. Yeah. You have to go back and remember and watch this doc." And it has been so instrumental in so many conversations I've had about future trajectory and learning from the past and learning that like literally we are thrilled to have you on the show with us. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, I think that's, that's the point, right? You know, there's a lot that's talked about in terms of failure and it, it's become a bit of a thing and there are failure conferences, but my whole purpose in making the movie is to save people a lot of pain. We can look at those lessons and learn them and internalize them and Absolutely. avoid the kinds of catastrophes that happen with General Magic and General Elite. Then I think we feel like that's a job well done. So the General Magic story, they were the first concept IPO, right? So they went out and they raised $150 million on the public market with, you know, basically based on uh, the vision of the founders, uh, which the CEO, Mark Porat, uh, was brilliant. I saw him uh, at the Goldman Sachs conference in Arizona in December of 19, I think it was 1994, maybe. And... Mm -hmm. I was absolutely mesmerized. He was a brilliant speaker and a visionary, um, and their product was no less than the smartphone. Uh, the problem was, of course, people weren't even doing email yet, so they didn't know what a smartphone was. Um, but uh, I'm interested, Sarah, in hearing the story of how you ended up making this movie 20 years after, I guess you were hired to kind of document their rocket ride uh, to fame and ended up with all this footage of kind of what went wrong and it wasn't really a movie anymore. Uh, so tell us how you re rediscovered the story and the footage and then found the funding to make this incredible movie. 
Thank you. Well, I, um, as you pointed out, I was got this incredible call, life-changing call when I was working in film on the East Coast um, from my mentor saying, I've got this gig documenting this little tiny secret company in Silicon Valley called General Magic. Will you come? So of course, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, but I knew nothing about Silicon Valley. I knew a little bit about tech, but it wasn't a passion yet. Um, and I landed among this extraordinary group of people who at the time, you know, were just geeks. And as you said, Mark Pratt, I feel like he literally went to the Mount and came back with this giant red book, this tablet where he saw the future. And, you know, people use the word visionary a lot, uh, you know, because, and people do see sort of dimensions of what the future is going to look like, but Mark saw it wholesale. He came back with every kind of device we would have. He described Twitter, he described Facebook, which he even called Facebase. It's an extraordinary <laughs> document to this day. And then he pulled together this ridiculously talented team, um, Steve Jobs' team, actually, the team that was working on the Mac. And Steve was in exile. Um, and, and his team was sort of looking for the next thing. And they thought, well, what if we could take this Mac on our desk and put it in our pocket? And that's what they did. And I was there, as you said. And 20 years later, after the company had failed catastrophically, I had experienced my own failure of a startup that I was very involved in. And it set me thinking about the role of failure and bringing big ideas to life. And, and are there those lessons that um, we can all learn from to uh, you know, ideally avoid a lot of pain <laughs> in anything that we're trying to do, but also hopefully to give people courage and inspiration because sometimes it just takes a long time. Um, you know, Tony Fidel took him 10 years of failure and then you know, he came up with the iPod and, and then he and Steve went on to build the iPhone and then Nest. And, you know, the rest is tech history. Um, and, and not just tech history, you know, it changed so many aspects of our lives. So anyway, that was the idea behind the film. It's like, can I, if I go back and talk to these great um, leaders in tech today, are there universal lessons that we can take away? And as you said, ideally apply to things that we're all trying to do and make happen in the world. It was, it was so compelling for me to watch it. I, I, you know, like I said, some friends of mine told me about it and I had like this long recollection. I kind of remember General Magic and I remembered a little bit about the, the John Scully, like working on the Newton at the same time, but investing in General Magic and the whole like sort of disgruntled group of like posty jobs folks that were like, we're not working for Apple anymore. We're going to start again. So I start watching this documentary on Showtime, which is tied to me because I work for Viacom, CBS, right? And it was like late night one night, and I literally just couldn't go to like watching it and watching it. And I was absolutely fascinated by the access. And now I know the story that you were actually hired to make a documentary because if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like at the time you're still shooting with like 16 millimeter film cameras and some early video cameras and... Yeah. There's a yeah. tremendous amount of footage of Andy and Tony and, you know, and Tony's like this young kid who kind of doesn't know yeah. which way is up or down and he just wants to get in on the action. And it, it's, it's an incredible story of like this incredible momentum of success that's wrapped in failure. And so many successes have come out of it that it's essentially, it's established the society and the technology we live in, this one little group of people all sitting in this funky little office with you filming it for, I guess, months on end, right? It's just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, well, so, thank you. It was amazing. So, Ted, we were talking last week about the relationship of Magic Leap yes. and General Magic. Yes. Um, let's, uh, let's go back in time uh, seven days and uh, uh, share that insight again. I, I thought it was fascinating. 
Yeah, and there are so many parallels to general magic and magic leap, in addition to the name that they're mentioning magic in the name, because we often refer to like vision as this sense of magic, right? That because we're on we're doing magic right now. We're on this magic box doing magic things and we're communicating across the planet, you know, in video and audio and it's all working. And like, you know, Charlie and I had with these up moments ago, uh, we can also bring up cartoon avatars of ourselves, right? Well, this is from our friends at a company called Lumi. They're ex-animators. And uh, this is on Sony smartphones, and now they're bringing it to PCs, and, and it's free. Yeah, so we can do all these kind of fun things, and uh, I'll pop back onto my real world. Um, but so, so Roni and I are very close friends. We talk a lot. And I, you know, we have sort of moved way beyond the discussions about the press fodder and all of the dynamics of the, the success and failure stuff. And we just spend a lot of time discussing what is really going on in an industry that's trying to find the next visual platform to deliver on the future, right? Like what is coming next? And, and I think they've done so much right in the, wrapped in sort of like levels of failure and, and challenges and problems that historically, as we look back on it in time, 10, 20, 30 years from now, it's going to be way more than just a footnote in history. It's going to be a very instrumental part of the ecosystem of a world where we're not looking at screens like we're looking at right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a really fascinating thing to study it, not from such a critical standpoint, but from a almost historical standpoint about how progress gets made. And I think your documentary is the first touch of that. Like it's really important for people to watch it. I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. And I actually think that, you know, the big lesson for me, well, there were several, like basically just keep at it is the main one. <laughs> but I think the, the thing for me is, is I just feel entirely differently about it now. And the space that I'm in, which is AI for cancer detection, for breast cancer detection. Um, you know, I know now, I, I just feel that it's, that we're part of a big, I see it as part of a big ecosystem. And I see it less about whether Chiron succeeds. You know, it's an incredibly talented company doing amazing work. So maybe we will, maybe we will be the ones who transform breast cancer screening. But I know we'll have made a contribution. Um, and I know we're contributing to the science. So I definitely have that perspective now that it's really about, we're doing this together. And all of these things are gonna to come together. And we don't know the ways in which, or the timing in, you know, in which these things will come to life, but we know they will. And I think you just have to accept that, I think, to some degree. And, and also, you know, do, you know, try and learn the lessons. And if you can obviously bring your vision to life now, that's obviously lovely. Um, but I, I, I think it's just, whatever you're doing, just be really passionate about it. There's a lot of problems to solve in the world. Tech is a great enabler of so many things. Charlie and, Charlie and Sarah, I'm curious if you know the Teddy Roosevelt essay called The Arena. Does that ring a bell to you? Yeah, it's yes, about- Yes, it does. It's, it's, what, yes. It's the, it's, it's, it's the we could probably pull it up and read it, but it's very short. It, it essentially refers to the man in the arena. Let's let's expand it because he's referring to man as humanity in his time. It was more man oriented. Right now, we would say man and women arena, but it's about the person in the arena, not the ones critiquing it, not the ones talking about it, not the pundits, but the ones getting their hands dirty, the ones trying to figure it out. And like just in this little 
little micro office in the side of my house here, there's a whole bunch of like failure moments buried in some degree of successes that I've had that are like just sitting around in here, right? Uh, that I was involved in and other people were involved in at a very early stage. So I have a kind of really intimate touch to that sort of sense of the arena. And I think you and your documentary have maybe the best example, both from a visual and a storytelling standpoint, of what it's like to be in the arena and how hard it is and how the level of critique that we put on companies, you know, about their economic failures, about all the mistakes they made, all the mess of it is you don't really get a perspective unless you're the one in the arena, unless you're the one trying to make progress. And that to me is just an interesting perspective on it. Totally, and you know what the two words are in that speech? Daring greatly. Yes. That's what it's about. And there's nothing like it when you're on the inside and you know, ultimately, you know, success, failure, it will come, it won't come, maybe in your time, maybe not. Maybe you'll contribute, maybe you won't. But it's once you've been in it, it's really hard not to go back because there's nothing like that right. yes. passion, that intimacy, that fight, that sense of all being together, working on this important problem. Yeah, once you've had a taste of it, it's really difficult to go back to civilian life. Well, you know, I look at my social graph and what I see is a very long list of people I've worked with over the past 40 years because you know you experience that intense collaboration and so it's sort of like friends for life yeah. uh, even if we only connect on social media so you know being in the trenches does uh, you know trying to do something really big even if you fail you know creates very strong bonds between people and uh, I, I, what was amazing is how many people from general magic were still in touch with each other right it was not that hard for you to kind of get back in the network it was right there Absolutely, they're still, you're still, I'm still creating and you know, they're coming together and, and so many amazing things are still coming out of those, of those, that team. Um, and a lot around, you know, Tony's focused on sustainable energy and Megan's focusing on inclusion and diversity and Kevin's doing the watch and you know, it's just, um, Pierre's doing all kinds of things around social justice and incredible films and the, 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 it just keeps producing all these incredible things. Yes. But I do Sorry, go ahead. The impact zone of those six or seven people is almost hard to fathom how much impact they've had on world society, world productivity, world technology. It's like you can't even sort of grasp that those seven brains or so, seven to ten brains, have literally changed the world over and over and over again. It's, you know, other than really Apple and maybe Microsoft and a few other companies, those seven goofballs from General Magic are probably the most impactful people on planet Earth right now. And there's so many people who, you know, whose stories we don't know, like John G. Andrea, who's now the head of um, AI at Apple. He was yeah. at General Magic. And one of my favorites is Andy Reveille, who has a company called Pure Watercraft. And it's, a, um, it's an electric boat company, like the Tesla of boats. Wow. Andy's a genius, you know, and Andy was the one who said to Pierre, I don't think you should do it. Pierre was thinking about doing a licensing model for eBay and Andy was like, no, I think you should charge per transaction. You know, <laughs> so he's off doing it. So I think there's a whole bunch more people that we'll hear from. But ultimately, what, what sets these people apart, you know, bold vision, they learn their craft, they learn the technology, and they just have this kind of fortitude. And in Tony's case in particular, an ability to kind of look at what happened and what's happening and just break it down. Like he is 
ruthless in terms of looking at anything that's happening when he's working on a project. Something, it could be something he thinks he's doing wrong or something. He just breaks it down and he just is relentless in his ability to do that. And I think these are some of the characteristics that um, are important when you're pursuing these really big ideas. So um, that, that's great, Sarah. Thank you. And thank you again for coming and talking about the movie, which uh, obviously, you know, it's just, a great movie has that quality of you always come back to it and you're always kind of talking about it. Uh, it. You know, it's like you leave the movie theater and you have to go somewhere and talk about it. And it happens so rarely uh, that uh, it really is special, particularly today where we tend to consume uh, content uh, on our own and not together. So it, it's amazing the uh, number of people I know who have seen that movie and been really, really excited about it. Uh, so let's, let's go to our, our, uh, our news this week. Uh, Facebook Connect uh, took place on uh, Wednesday, um, and the company made some significant announcements, which I think are going to be incredibly impactful. Um, the anticipated announcement of the Quest 2 was beyond uh, what I could have thought it would be. Not only have they made the sound, uh, the images, and the battery life better, uh, they've made it lighter and more comfortable, and they've cut the price by $100. So now you can get into VR. And, you know, the Quest, you just put it on, and you're in VR uh, for $300. So I think that's going to be impactful. Uh, they made other announcements. The other one that blew me away, which I did not see coming, was the announcement of Aria smart glasses designed by Ray-Ban. And they showed a lot of video of these glasses, what it looks like inside the glass, people wearing them. They look a lot like other AR glasses we've seen, kind of stylish, but with fat wings. And, and it isn't clear what its relationship to your smartphone is. So a uh, lot to learn about it. But then they said, next year, which yeah. is, you know, in, in my line of work, that's tomorrow. Yeah. Well, they so, have been working on it for a while, so. Oh, yeah, but, but they've done a good job of, of keeping it pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, or at least out of the news. Yeah. And, uh, and then they filled uh, in the blanks on a lot of software announcements. Um, the success of their app store, um, more AAA titles coming to the platform, better integration with outside tools like Messenger, uh, which you know we've been asking for for a long time, right? You have to have something that connects you with the real world. Uh, and certainly Messenger is a step in that direction. They also introduced audio teams that allows you to stay, have an open audio connection with somebody else who's in VR and could be somewhere else completely playing the same game, playing another game. Uh, they made enterprise, three or four enterprise announcements uh, and several <clears throat> announcements around education. The fact that you now have basically doubled the resolution suddenly you can read a browser inside of VR. And that is so crit critical to enterprise applications and uh, training and education because text is still, you know, with these advanced screens and virtual reality, we still need text in the same way that we need voice. Yeah, you, you touched on like, as, as you're going through this, I think the most impactful part of all those announcements of which there's a lot of impact is the fact that the Quest 2, which is a really smart successor to the first one, has a much higher resolution screen at an extraordinarily low consumer price point. So it starts to marry these two needs, right? It's gotta be very low cost to find a wide audience 
and you've got to defeat this problem of people that are not in our industry that are understand why it's so low res and you know you're taking these yeah. displays and you're putting them really close to your face and they talk yeah. about like they use words like you know when you put mom and dad in it they're like it's cool but it's like it's kind of fuzzy and, and why do i right. see it like why I'm is it a cartoon right why is everything a cartoon right so the so the fact that they made real effort into trying to defeat that problem is massively significant and it's going to be super important as people start to put this on and go Oh wow, like I could watch like traditional media in this. I could do things I used to do on a TV in this world now. And that's a huge step forward, right? To kind of open and broaden the market for this kind of stuff. So that's to me the like, yes, it's really great that it's a second gen device and a lot of the things they cleaned up and made better. But the fact that they put real energy into figuring out it needs to be higher resolution and better display tech. Um, and they put real dollars and effort and R&D into that is a big deal. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, what, what struck me listening to it is, if I were at another ex-dark company, <laughs> <laughs> I would be thinking, fuck, because they're going to compete everywhere yeah. on every level with all of their resources. And they will fail in some places and they will succeed uh, greatly by daring greatly to connect it to our conversation. Um, from doing this. So, you know, I'm so concerned about Facebook and Zuckerberg's decisions um, regarding privacy and politics and, you know, why uh, the idea that they are, um, you know, deciding the election on their whims uh, is deeply, deeply disturbing. And I don't know why Zuck would want to be in that position. Who the heck wants to be in that position? And I think it's really, really damaging them. those guys well and i think it's much it's much deeper than just politics and a good example of that is there's a doc on netflix right now called the social dilemma um it's not a perfect documentary i think the general magic documentary is a perfect <laughs> documentary. oh wow it's not a perfect documentary but it touches on the deeper rooted thing that you're talking about charlie about when a technology essentially sort of spins out of control like it's so powerful that it does sort of become this like science fiction dystopian movie in reality. And, and this, it's hard to kind of put it into words. So this, you know, I don't know, 90 minute doc does a pretty good job. They use these weird like um, fake um, uh, dramatizations, which sort of <laughs> I hate that. a little bit. But it's like the, the history doc, channel. Yeah, kind of. And it, does, it sort of lessens the importance of it that way. It trivializes a little bit. Right. But the doc information is so valuable and it's so terrifying. And they have really good people in there talking about like their path into this world. And it's a bit Manhattan Project-ish. Like they were the architects that built this monster. And now the monster is causing kids to be depressed and higher suicide rates and like linking their whole life to this machine that is yeah. built around gambling culture and understanding that dopamine release at a very yeah. scientific way. And it is, it's like politics is just one sliver yeah. of how dangerous this is. No, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. So that is disturbing. At the same time, he's a hero to me. Yeah. At the same time, I hang on his every word. Absolutely. I mean, he has he has saved not only saved VR. He is going to make sure it penetrates and right. makes this world 
hopefully a better place. And, you know, it's also honestly a hedge because I think in his heart, he has to know, you know, he acquired Instagram, he acquired WhatsApp, he acquired Oculus. He had to know in his heart that there was no way Facebook was sustainable. And the bigger it got and the more out of control it was, the harder it was gonna be for the business to contain it. I mean, maybe he'll spit it out or do something else. But uh, at this point, the, the contrast for the Zuck we saw on Wednesday, and I hung on his every word, um, you know, and I'm so excited about what that company is doing. So, you know, on the, on the flip side of the coin is, Boy, I sure hope they've learned from their mistakes. Oh, and at the end of the day, when you boil it all down, it always comes back to that Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility. And if you forget to be responsible, yes. things can spin out of control really fast. And that's a really good example of what's happened with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, every part of this social conundrum is they just actually forgot to be responsible. And I kind of, one of the things I always reflect on Apple is the ethical code of Apple, while not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, they were always trying, or at least part of their group was always trying to be a little bit responsible. They I think Apple un understood the value of privacy way before people started talking about it. A little better than, than today's groups. Um, uh, so it's interesting that, that Tim Cook, I believe, is trying. You know, I don't think he's perfect yeah. at it, but I think he's trying harder than everybody else, certainly harder than Google and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's move on to TikTok. Hickory dickory dock. TikToks run out the clock. All right, nice. Well, did you practice that beforehand? Yes. Uh, no, I've, I've been hickory dickory on TikTok since uh, this whole madness started. I mean, in one sense, they were just kind of walking down the street when a bunch of kids decided to spoof a Trump rally, and it has unleashed this hatred for China. Of all, you know, this is the app where people are dancing and, you know, their dogs are talking and, uh, you know, most of the content is ridiculous. You know, it's teenage girls, you know, lip syncing all over the place. And uh, it's, it's a novelty and it's trivial and it's fun. Mm -hmm. But uh, all of a sudden it's become a pawn in a game that has to do with electronic warfare and national security. And it's just amazing they, that ByteDance of all the companies in the world got sucked into this vortex. And the story is strange and it gets stranger all the time. The latest iteration, which I guess the US government has already rejected, had Oracle, Larry Ellison, friend of the president, um, getting a hosting deal for about a billion dollars and they brought along Walmart, which I guess is sort of guaranteed advertising dollars and e-commerce dollars. And of course, Walmart, you know, cock blocks Amazon. Yeah. So, um, you know, then the new twist is they're going to take it public. With Walmart and Oracle's backing, they're going to take it public and ByteDance will become a U.S.-based company. Uh, great plan. Uh, it would only take them six months to implement that plan, or a year, maybe, to implement that plan. Um, the Chinese government said that they are going to weigh in on this deal. They have not yet. They're probably waiting, just like the rest of us, to find out what the deal is. Because yeah. it's changing every week. I can, I can um, be very succinct about this. I think this is a very good example of the complete and total lunacy 
and level of idiocy of our current government administration. It's just another example of how literally inept they are at everything. And let's just hope that in 45 days, we can legitimately start the healing process. And I would love to have a really valid factual debate with people that are more conservative than me and more liberal than me and not lunacy and lies and idiocy. And this and chaos, chaos. And this TikTok thing is just one more example of something that is almost meaningless, that has become massively meaningful and massively pressworthy for no reason other than just true global lunacy that the United States is the, the preeminent, predominant like creator of this lunacy. And let's just hope you know what? we can stop it soon. You know what occurred to me this morning while I was writing the column? This is the biggest manufactured distraction that Trump has come up with in the past couple of months. Because he wants us talking about TikTok yes, exactly. instead of the that issues really going on in the world. Yes. Instead of the issues that really count and really are going to make a difference in people's lives. Right? It doesn't matter if TikTok is blocked or not. It really matters if people can eat. Yes, exactly right, Charlie. So, so this is kind of one of those things, the more lip service we give to it, the more we're adding fuel to the fire. I think there are way more important things to talk about, like the Unity IPO and things that are happening in the world and the ARIA project from Facebook and all those things are gonna be way more important to us and way more important to the world. Absolutely. So uh, one last note on TikTok for those of you who have iPhones. You can change the home country of your phone to Canada or the UK. <laughs> and you will get no TikTok, no problem. It does not change your location services. Uber is not gonna think you're in London. All it will do is take away the block of TikTok. Right. So I'm gonna do that on Sunday morning uh, and TikTok ain't gonna be blocked for me. I will continue whenever I have 30 seconds to check it out and there's nothing to tweet about. Um, I, as we've said in the past, I think that was the point of Quibi um, but for, you know, 10 minutes is way too long a bite. And I think that uh, by accident, on purpose, uh, TikTok got that right. So um, hopefully this won't totally destroy their company, but uh, it has a good chance it's of funny doing you so. You mentioned Quibi because as I was trolling around this morning, kind of like, oh, last day of TikTok. I better play around with it for a little bit. Went <laughs> down the rabbit hole of, oh, isn't that funny? And there was like this comedian making fun of like Asian dads, and it was like brilliantly smart. And it was just really a good time for five minutes that turned into 45 minutes. I was thinking to myself, I now distinctively know why Quibi doesn't work, is because they tried to shove old media into a new platform, and it just fundamentally is hard to do. Where it isn't, it's is inauthentic. Yeah. It's inauthentic. It's yeah. manufactured. It's the opposite of what TikTok is. Right. So anyway, it just was, it was, there was a moment of reflection for me about why does Quibi not work? And that was a pretty good example of why Quibi does not work. So I think I, that's going to wrap up our show today. I want yeah. to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm, I'm not going to be cut off on Sunday. So I have a little bit of time to... <laughs> You've yes, piqued you my curiosity. Oh, on TikTok? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating dance down the rabbit hole for sure. Um, thank right. you, Sarah, for coming on. It was great chatting with you both about your incredible movie and the uh, business in general. Good luck with Cryon, uh, the uh, biotech company for which you are the chief strategy officer. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and, and uh, you know, it's world changing technology, so I'm rooting for you. Thank you so much. And it was really a pleasure to be with you today.
Enjoy the rest of your, um, your stay, your Friday in Los Angeles. Thanks.